Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, where we make the world a better place for horses. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. I was born on the country of the Wiradjuri people, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. I'd like to acknowledge the Turrbal and Yuggera people, the traditional custodians of this land on which this podcast is made, and where my family and horses live and gather. I'd like to recognise their connection to land, water, community and our sacred animals. I am grateful to Elders, past, present and emerging, for keeping this sacred land here in Sanford safe and protected throughout many tens of thousands of years. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. I'm also grateful that you have taken the time to choose this podcast at this very moment. Thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. If you'd like to support the podcast and all the work that I do, then you can. Just head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and sign up. From as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help me keep this podcast going. There are many tiers that you can choose from, and if everyone who listens gave only $5 a month, it would make a massive positive difference to me. There's a tier in there for small business subscription, just like the one Peter Papp took up from Peter and the Herd. This is the one where your business gets a mention each podcast. Peter works with equine behaviour and trauma recovery and equine communication, human and horse relationship building. Peter has actually had communication with my mare Gypsy, who's the one you see in the podcast picture with me, and he was spot on about everything, so I can highly recommend his work personally. You'll find the links to Peter's work in the show notes. In this episode, I speak with Mary Richards from Enriched Equine. As her business name states, Mary helps horse owners enrich their horses' lives through so many varied and interesting techniques. We will talk about, we talk about what enrichment is and how it relates to horses in stalls or stables and also for those on acreage. I must say it was very enriching to have this conversation about enrichment. It really got my mind engaged and thinking about new things. So even just by having this conversation, I can feel in myself the positive aspects that it will bring to my horse's lives. The wonderful thing about enrichment, Mary says, is that it's only limited by your imagination. So once you've listened to this, and as I say, towards the end of the podcast, please pop into social media and show me what you do for enrichment. I'd love some ideas. My horses are on five acres, but I'd really like to see what it is that you're doing. And I really want to share and enrich our, each other's lives to show us what it is that we're doing to enrich our horses' lives and give each other great ideas. So for now, sit back and enjoy and hopefully be engaged and enriched by the wonderful Mary Richards. Here is Mary. Mary, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for asking me to come. This is wonderful. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad I found you at the perfect time as well. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? So I work at Via Nova in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a positive reinforcement training facility, um, obviously horses. Um, we are, our mission is to bring, uh, positive reinforcement training for equines to the sport horse world. Um, I, part of what I do, I do a lot of training on the ground, positive reinforcement training, 
but I also do quite a bit of enrichment, which is what I bring to the team. Um, I, my specialty in enrich, uh, environmental and behavioral enrichment. Fantastic. And that's, um, that's what I put into my Ecosia search when I found you and I was very excited <laughs> to find you. And um, the reason I was really excited is because we're in isolation now and I kept seeing those memes come up on social media about, um, you know, day 19 of isolation and my dog looked at me saying, this is what it's like being kept in the house all day. And yeah. it just yeah. got me thinking. And I even my horses have um, got the run of five acres here, but even... I've been isolated in my five acres and it doesn't feel as big as it used to anymore. Whilst I'm very lucky right. and I'm loving isolation because I love where I live and I feel like it's paradise, I'm starting to look at it in a very different way. And um, so yeah. I I put up a little meme about um, horses being stabled. I changed the dog part to horses. and um, But then when I Googled, I, I found yeah. you and I thought that you're someone I really want to speak to because it's very timely. And uh, I think it, we can all empathise a lot with our horses. It's not something that's distant to us anymore. It's something that we can really, um, really understand. Oh, absolutely. Memes as well. And, you know, I was like, oh, now's my time. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, yeah. This has always been one of my passions, um, you know, and to see people starting to empathise is really, really nice. It's really nice to see um, because, yeah, and, and really it's about choice. Um, we don't really get the choices we had before. Um, and that can be very frustrating for us. So if we can take ourselves out of our own little human centric world and look at it from the horse's point of view, you know, how, what can we do to help them have a little bit more choice in their world? Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah. how did you get into this? Were you, did you grow up with horses? So I did. I, uh, my aunts, both of my aunts were horsewomen. Um, so I grew up around horses all the time, but when I got into college, I kind of got away from horses. Um, and I really was interested in animal behavior. Um, and I, my intention was to go to grad school and study animal behavior. And I talked to my advisor and he said, you know, you really should look into doing some sort of volunteer work or internships before you apply to grad school. So I just happened to find a, an announcement for, um, an Aquarius internship at my local uh, local zoo. So I went and did that. And right after I graduated, um, they hired me full time uh, to be a zookeeper. Uh, I was a mammal keeper. I took care of things like rhinos and giraffes and tigers and lions and all the typical stuff. Um, <sighs> but I started learning. Yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing. Needless to say, I never quite made it to grad school because I was having too much fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned so much about professional animal care, but particularly uh, positive reinforcement training and enrichment, you know, and we, we, we tend to think that enrichment, you know, that, you know, animals in zoos have everything they could possibly need. And they really do. Um, they have the best of the medical care, the best uh, husbandry, the best nutrition. But the thing that we miss is this little piece that's called enrichment. And um, so I really got into it then. Um, I then, um, I got a job at a zoo, well, at Disney's Animal Kingdom down in Florida. And I worked with uh, a lot of big host stock there. I worked with uh, rhinos and hippos and okapi and bongo. And I did a lot more enrichment there and really kind of honed uh, what, what I did when it came to enrichment there. 
And um, did you and see then, real differences when you did that? So you could see the difference in a rhino's happiness? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. You know, um, what's fascinating about enrichment, and there, I could go on and on about the, the, the research into it, um, but really, truly, um, enrichment, there is evidence that enrichment can, um, how do I say this? Um, basically, it can increase the number of connections in the brain. There was a study done, I, I want to say in the 50s, 40s or 50s, by a guy named Rosenzweig who studied rats who grew up either in enriched environments or impoverished environments. And they studied the cerebral cortexes of those rats. And the ones that grew up in the enriched environments had heavier cerebral cortexes. So there was definitely something going on there in the brains of animals that were in um, enriched environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in zoos, we, we hear a lot about um, the concept of stereotypic behaviors. Um, and everybody's probably seen a pacing tiger or, uh, you know, a sea lion swimming loops. Um, and, you know, it, we feel kind of bad. It makes us feel bad when we see that. And what that is is a stereotypic behavior. And a stereotypic behavior is basically a behavior that has no apparent function. And we see it a lot in horses. Way, we see so many in horses. You know, you've got the, um, the, he- the weaving, the kicking of the stall, cribbing. Cribbing is, is maybe a physiological thing, but I won't get into that. But um, definitely that the weaving and the head bobbing and, you know, the back and the forth, um, chewing, wood chewing. We see a whole lot of different stereotypic behaviors in horses. And I don't think most horse people recognize them. I think they're starting to. You're hearing a lot more about it now. Um, instead of trying to stop the behavior, it's important to look at what is at the root of the behavior. For example, with tigers, you know, tigers in the wild will wander for miles every day looking for food. Um, But in a zoo, they're just kind of given their food. They don't need to walk, but they still have this biological drive to move, to walk and move and search things out. So with enrichment, you can take that behavior and you can address it in different ways. So that's kind of what I try to do with horses. Wonderful. And can you tell us one story of the zoo animals before we get to horses? What did you do sure, to a zoo animal that changed their lives? Um, oh, so <laughs> one of the first things I did with some friends, some other friends, zookeepers, zookeeper friends of mine, was um, we decided to do uh, for our lions. You know, we had lion, a pride of lions at uh, the first zoo where I worked, and what the female. We noticed every day she would, uh, we'd go into the barn, into her barn, and we go and we had like a little step up where you could look out of a keeper window onto the exhibit to check on the, the, the lions to make sure they're okay. And around feeding time, you know, around time to come in, she would, our female lions, she would sit by the door and we'd pop our heads up in the little window and she'd pounce on us or try to pounce on us. Yeah. And she had the best time doing that. So we decided to make, a keeper effigy. And I wouldn't recommend this again. <laughs> you don't really want to encourage a big cat to attack something that looks like a keeper. But um, we did, we made a stuffed keeper. We took an old t-shirt and we stuffed it with hay and then we put zebra dung in it. And then we put some meat inside of that as well. And we made it and we put it on the exhibit for them to go out and play with. And it was wonderful watching them. Yeah, they attacked it. Um, But they had a great time and they were active for so much longer when normally they would go out 
look around, check the corners of their exhibit, and then go to sleep all day. This kept them active for hours on end. And that was kind of where it really started for me. I was like, that was the most amazing thing to see. So that for me, that was one of the, 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 the turning points. Wonderful. And how did you then transition into horses? So when I was working at Disney's Animal Kingdom, um, I was a keeper for about 10 years. And then a, a position came open for uh, the Disney equine facility. And um, they needed a zoological manager, which is basically, you know, a big, big barn manager. But we had a lot of other things with it being Disney, a lot of other um, um, things going on that we had to manage. Uh, Disney has roughly 100 horses at any time. And we had about 35 cast members. That's what they call employees at Disney. And um, so I got that job and I really started getting into horses again. And, And I think, you know, it really took me back to what I did as, as a child with horses and my love for horses. So that's when I got really back, got back into horses and that's what I do now. So, yeah. Wonderful. And can we enrich, um, I imagine we can, and we'll, we'll, we'll start with, we'll start with stables because I think that's the place okay. where enrichment needs to happen the, the most. And then we'll get to acreage and things like that. How does that sound? Sure. I'd love some tips today on, on what it is we can okay. do because we've all got time. Well, on sure. our hands. So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so really enrichment can be broken down into five primary categories. Um, you've got social, which is obvious it's friends. Um, you've got sensory, which is things like olfactory, auditory, visual, um, tactile. Uh, you've got physical, which is usually we call it furniture. In the zoo world, we call it furniture. So it's uh, elements of the, their, their habitat that they can interact with. It's not food-based, basically. Um, then you've got cognitive, and cognitive is things like puzzle feeders, um, which I think we all have seen before. Um, or treat balls. We're pretty familiar, familiar with treat balls. Mm-hmm. And also training, positive reinforcement training is cognitive. And then finally, the most popular one is, of course, food or nutritional. And most, most uh, pretty much all enrichment can, can fall into one of those categories, and they often overlap a little bit. So what we do when we talk about um, the goals of enrichment is really it's to increase the behavioral diversity of your animal and also to decrease abnormal behaviors. Um, and when we look at enrichment, um, we really want to address the natural behavior of the animal. Like, um, I would never give, um, raw meat to a horse. Why? Because they're not predators. They're, 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 they're grass eater. They're herbivores. Yeah. So we have to really, you know, in zoos, what you do is you take a, a natural, you take the inventory of the animal, the natural history of the animal and, and try to work around that. Then you can also take the individual history of the animal. You know, some horses don't like, let's say, um, let's say if you wanted to do some er- an herb garden for a horse and you know your horse can't stand lavender, why would you waste your time putting lavender in there? So that's yeah. what the, where the individual history comes in. So that's what I would do for most animals. Like if I, if I were going to start an enrichment program, I would look at that first. Look at their natural history. What do they do in nature? Uh, do they move a lot? Do they sleep a lot? Are they active in the day? Are they active at night? Um, do they have, are they, do they live alone? Do they live in social groups? And we can answer those about horses because we're all very familiar with their natural history. So that was what you would do first. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at a barn, the obvious enrichment is to go to food enrichment. 
Yeah. Um, and we can do that easily. And one of the things that may not sound like really, really that enriching, but it is slow feeders, slow feeders for hay. Um, what that does is slow down the gorging of the food and makes it, it's, it's more like grazing. I know that not everybody has the opportunity to let their, their horses out on you know, 20 acres of pasture. It's not a possibility for everybody. But you can simulate some of those things. And that's one of the very first things I would think about is like, well, are you giving your hay all at once? Are you giving it in three meals a day? Are you giving it in a slow feeder? Let's try a slow feeder. Then if you want to bring, um, add some novelty to their diet, ice blocks, things like ice blocks. And what you do, you can take like a Amazon, oh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't advertise, but um, you can buy rubber bunt. Do you know what a bunt pan is? No. It's okay. So it's, um, it's a type of, of cake. A bunt cake is like a round cake, but it's got a hole in the middle. Okay. Um, and you can make uh, tea or you can make, you can make like a liquid with tea, tea bags or with a little bit of electrolyte powder or fruit juices, just a little bit, or even just a little bit of molasses and freeze it. And then it, because it's got a hole in the middle, you can hang it with baling twine or you can put it on a hook or you can, put it in their hay. Um, and that keeps them active for a while, which is, especially in the summertime, they love it mm. um, to be able to lick, lick the flavor off of it. So that's one thing I would do. Um, I, I'm a big fan of herbs. Um, we're going to build, we're going to try and build a, an enrichment garden for our horses. And there are lots and lots of horse friendly herbs out there. Um, I could go, yeah, all kinds. I mean, we know they love mint. Um, some of them love lavender. Um, so enrichment gardens are great. Um, and it changes people, my horses. Sometimes it, it, they yes. kill my parsley and, and sometimes <laughs> they don't touch it. Sometimes Absolutely. they wander past and they just don't need it. So it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting to see what it is they need at certain times. Yeah. And that's called self-selecting. Yeah. Um, I have a friend named Philippa Christie who does, um, I'm going to butcher this word, but it's called zoo. Zoopharmacognosy, yeah. Yes. I interviewed yes, Caroline I Ingraham, who, um, oh, who's oh, yes. the okay. woman who yeah. created it. Oh, I love it. I'm amazed. By yes. It. So, yeah, so um, one of the things you could do too is you can set up an herb wall. Um, and, and it depends on the, the setup you have. It's just there's so much out there. But you can set up an herb wall so the herbs grow into the stall and they can self-select. Well, today I'd like this and today I'd like that. And then you can just plug more herbs into it as you go. Um, mm. and you don't need a lot of it, you know. Um, hay balls are great. They're great. They, they're, they're, they're big, these big balls, big plastic balls, and you can put stuff in with hay and you pull the hay out of the holes a little bit and they have to roll it around to get to the hay. You can also do treat balls. Um, Shires makes a great treat ball. It has one hole in it and you put treats in it and they have to push it around and move around to get the treats out of it. You know, these are all... Um, they're great short-term enrichments. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I see that's that's a bit of a a bit of a challenge is um, is when people leave like Jolly Balls. They'll yeah, it's a great toy, but it's only fun for about fifteen minutes. Yeah. But they leave it in there for a month at a time, for months at a time. You know, the the key to enrichment really truly is novelty, um, and novelty is 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 supposedly what it what what builds those connections in the brain yeah 
And we all so, get bored with things. I watch my child. We get bored very early. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. You know, he asks for a toy for a month and he gets it and he plays with it for a day or two and then he's yep. moved on already. He's on to something like, else. Wow. And so it, exactly. and it's natural and we all do that. So I'd expect it is to be the same. Yeah. And, you know, and, and really what's important too is the assessment. Um, you know, it's fun to watch them interact with their enrichment. It really is fun, but it's also important because you need to see if, the, if, you know, if your horse doesn't know, doesn't like the treat ball, why, you know, why waste his time on it? You know, give, give him trying something else. Um, so yeah, it's important to assess so you can see, you know, what, what is it that's really making a difference in their behavior and what is, what are they just ignoring? You know, don't waste your time and your money on it, you know? Um, Okay, so that was so we started with the food. You know, then we've got the cognitive, which is puzzle feeders. Horses don't have hands like primates do, but you know, hay balls and uh, treat balls really are a, a type of puzzle feeder for them. They have to interact with it to get the food from it, um, and it makes them think too. And you know, and you can think about doing multiple training sessions throughout the day, little training sessions. They don't have to be you know, these intense 20 minute sessions where they learn a new behavior every time. It can be something as simple as teaching them a stationary target or teaching them to fetch a ball. You know, you can have them grab, learn how to grab a little uh, ball that has whole, the holy roller balls and just play with them a little bit. That's cognitive as well. Then you've also got the physical, um, which is the furniture or the environmental type of enrichment. Um, you can put um, scratching pads in their stalls. And I know that there are quite a few of those out on the market. Um, it doesn't even have to be anything expensive. It can be the head of a, of a, a push broom. Um, that's securely mounted. Certainly you had to do a little bit of work to do it and then change it out, change it out. You know, every, every few days, give them a different type of texture, um, different textural, like a texture board, if you will. Um, if they don't touch it, then, you don't you know, You've at least shown it to them. And even if they don't use it, it can be enriching because it has changed their environment a little bit. Mm. Um, and then you've got sensory. You now sensory, one of the things that I've found a lot of animals really, really love is um, herbal or um, extract sprays where you can take a spray bottle, fill it with water and put some extract, some food grade extracts like vanilla or peppermint or almond in it and spray it on their hay or spray it on their walls. That's a big one. They really like that. That wow. enriches them. Yeah. And then something that a lot of people don't think of, but if you're on the same farm with other horses, if there's a horse that your horse never interacts with, get some of their, their manure and take it and put it in their stall. Um, this gives them a way to smell someone else who's there that they don't usually get to interact with. Um, ah. so that's, yeah. A um, we used idea. to do. <laughs> Or you could take um, the, the, like, especially this time of year, the shedding season, take a clump of another horse's hair and put it in their stall. Um, one of the things we used to do with the predators, which we wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it the other way around, but with our predators, is we would take zebra dung or giraffe dung and put it in their exhibit. So they could smell, this is something they would come across in the real world, but they never got to in the zoo situation. It was fascinating to watch their behavior. Of course, I think it would be a little too stressful to put lion dung in a zebra exhibit. So I yeah, that. <laughs> definitely. But, yeah. So I wouldn't recommend that. Um, auditory. There is some evidence that classical music and country music horses prefer 
over other types of music. Um, so you can play music at a low level in the barn for a little while, change the music up, change it to people talking, change it to uh, nature sounds. Nature sounds, I've seen some really interesting um, reactions from like a rainforest sound played for horses, mm. something they're not accustomed to hearing. They don't, they don't hear that in their regular world. So that's really, it, it, it makes them think, which is really, really good for them. Obviously, it, it, it does help to stimulate, their, stimulate them psychologically. And then, of course, they're social. And this is probably the biggest one. that I, For me, it's probably one of the most important, is giving them the opportunity to interact with other animals. And even if that's just a walk, take, him, take your horse through, on a walk through the barn and go visit those animals they don't normally get to see. You know, it's so sad. I often see people, not where I am now, thankfully, but in other areas, in other barns, I see you know, people walking their horse down the aisle and they jerk their horse. Every time they go to say hi to another horse, they jerk them away. They don't let them say hi. Let mm -hmm. them say hi. This is, if you're not going to, if they can't be with each other all the time, let them say hi. You know, that's like our, our email in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are just a few examples, but if you look in those, if, if you stick to those categories, it's amazing some of the stuff you can come up with. And I found some of the people who are best at coming up with this are kids. Oh yeah. They, they don't, They've got that creative yeah. brain, don't they? Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, obviously, safety is most important. You have to be careful about what you what you give. Like, um, some horses like cardboard boxes, you can stuff them with hay and treats, and they have to figure out how to get the box open. Um, but you don't want to leave it in there overnight, because they might eat the cardboard and that could cause colic, you know, that kind of thing. So you just got to be a little careful and just think about it. Yeah. Um, but I've seen some horses who just absolutely love boxes. They, they, you know, the horses that pick up the balls and shake them around, those are the ones that love the boxes. Mm -hmm. um, so they can shake those around and rip them apart and step on them and pee on them. And it's, it's really interesting to watch them with that. So, yeah. So that's, that's just a start to some of the stuff you can do. And I could, like I said, I could go on for hours. But This episode is brought to you by The Natural Horse Spray. Are you inundated with flies and biting insects? Does your horse suffer from Queensland itch? If so, head on over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com to purchase your horse some natural and ethical relief from biting insects and itch. There are two blends there to choose from. The Kiowa blend is for insect repelling and the Gypsy blend may heal Queensland or sweet itch on your horse and will also repel insects. That's EdenRiverEquestrian.com and if you use the code come along for the ride that's all lowercase and one word come along for the ride you will receive 15% off your order. And how does that transition then for people on who've got horses in paddocks and small acreage is there more that you can do once horses have a little bit more space does it change at all? I, you know that's an interesting question I've never nobody's ever asked me that before and I have seen horses that are on acreage that seem to be bored. They just kind of stand there with their head down and they don't really interact much. Um, one of the things I would recommend for people is um, looking for grass mixes instead of monoculture. Um, mm -hmm. There's a really good, um, something called Equicentral. I'm sure you've heard of it, but um, one of the things, I think it's Equicentral that recommends this, but you can find really good steed mixes that are not just one type of grass. And, 
horses in the wild, they're going to come across all kinds of stuff, weeds and flowers and scrubby grasses and long grasses. Um, give them the opportunity to choose what they want to eat. You know, um, we have in the States, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the States, most seeding grasses are typically one or two different seeds because they grow well. They grow yeah. well and they're green. But as we know, green's not always so great for horses. So look for something that's a little scrubbier or look for something that's got some wildflowers in it. Check the wildflowers first. There, there's plenty of information on the, on the internet about what's toxic for horses and what's okay. Um, but look for those seed mixes and change it up throughout the year. You can also do, do what are called sacrificial plants. Um, and that's not always cheap, but uh, we did it in, in, in the zoos. You, you have plants that you know are going to be destroyed. And that's okay. That's the whole point of them. So you can just kind of throw a big tree in there, you know, like a, a limb from a tree, as long as it's safe, it's not toxic, um, in their exhibit or in their, their, um, their acreage. And a lot of times they will eat the leaves off of it, chew on the bark. It's okay for them to chew some bark. Um, and then they'll scratch on it too. So, and some of them will pull it around and play with it. So that's something you can do outdoors. Um, again, you can mix up the, the, the manure that goes in there and talk to some friends on the other side of the farm whose horses you never meet or your horse never meets and throw some, some manure out there. Um, so there, you know, I, I, I'm thinking more in terms of food, nutritional and in furniture when it comes to acreage. Um, but I'm sure there are other things you could do as well, like sensory. Um, and of course they have, they already have the social because they can interact with who they want to. One of the things I think people don't do because they're so afraid horses or might get hurt is mixing up herds. Um, they don't choose their herds anyway. We don't really let them choose who they get to spend time with. Um, but I think, you know, trying mixing up some herds a little bit, say today he's going to go out with these three horses or tomorrow he's going to go out with these three horses. Mix that up a little bit. Um, you know, there are some, some challenges that go along with that that have to be managed, but if you can do it, that's a really good one. Yeah, so I think it my, just requires, um, yeah. Yeah, they, they absolutely love that. My, I just, um, I'm giving space for a friend's horse. She had two horses and she just had to have one put down. And she says, you know, I don't know oh. what to do. I said, we'll bring your other horse here. And so that she's with a herd because where yeah. she had her horses, there were no other horses around. I said, just bring her here and, and um, I said, and it'll do a lot of things for her. It'll give her a chance to, you know, d go through mm -hmm. the grieving process. I said, but she'll also have the the interaction and her mind yes. won't, don't, you know, won't settle on grief. She'll have this whole new experience and bringing her in yesterday was amazing. And she's only winnied three times oh. in 12, 13, 14 hours that she's been yeah. here now. So, oh. yes. Well, so horses don't like to be alone. I mean, we know that. It's it's that was my number one because she said oh she's actually <laughs> okay up here by herself and I'm like oh she's a horse I don't believe you yeah I don't believe you I don't think she will be okay just as I said if you can no. get another horse into your property then do that but if not just walk her to my house and as long as she's yeah. horses she'll she'll do a oh. move through so but my horses as well they love it I mean we we live on a oh yeah where horses go past us anyway there's a trail going past so they get to see oh that's wonderful yeah they do that they is do wonderful that. enrichment for them 
Yeah, yes. and everyone knows Wonderful horses. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they know, they see the two staring over the fence at them and, and having that little over-the-air chat. So um, I'm really backing what you say by bringing different horses together because um, my girls yes. yesterday, they yes. were trotting like stallions. They were tails up. Isn't it beautiful? Standing tall. Oh. I was like, oh, look at you. Look, You look totally different when something new comes into your space and something really interesting and exciting. It is. It's one, and it's wonderful to watch too, because you know that's that's what horses are supposed to be doing. You know, we 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 have just by virtue of being humans, you know, it's just what we do. We are very controlling, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that we we want to keep them safe, and we want to protect them at any at all costs. You know, and I think we 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 miss out on that the welfare side of it, the psychological welfare side of it when we do that. You know, sometimes we got to take a few risks, like, you know, let them play, let them play it out. Yeah. They're much less likely to hurt themselves if you do this frequently. You know, we all know that horses who are stalled 23 hours a day, if you let them out, they kind of explode. Well, if you let them out more frequently, they're not going to explode like that. They're going to be less likely to hurt themselves. So give them those opportunities. You know, we're really, really lucky where we work that we have a lot of different areas um, where we can put horses together. Um, we have three different track systems on our property, which are fantastic. Um, and that's another thing you can do on, um, uh, if you have acreage, and particularly ones, you know, areas where it, the grass dies easily with, you know, we all know that, horses on pasture every day that you're going to kill the grass we know that but track systems you can make a, a an actual track um set up with just the electric tape you don't even have to electrify it um, and make a pattern that goes around the grassy area and put different types of food all around the track so they have to move to get to the different types of food and that is much more um, they move a lot more when when they have that and then you can also put multiple horses out there, probably more than you would be able to put in the grass and, and not have them destroy it, if that makes sense. And then you can, you know, once a day for about an hour a day, if you want, you can let them into the center to graze on the other stuff and then put them back out into the track so they can graze on uh, or forage, excuse me, not graze, forage on um, the, the slow feeders around the track. So that's another way you can, you can mix things up a little bit and you can change the shape if you have, um, movable posts you can change the shape of the track too. change it up every once in a while so that's a big one for i can't believe i forgot to tell you that yeah that's a great one i i have been watching the track system for a long time and trying to figure out oh, how to I get love it, it into my property because i'm a bit of a yeah. I, I like the cell grazing and i like the track system so I've got to yes, figure out how to do yes. it. My my five acres is quite slopey though, and I know a friend put a track. Oh, is it? Yeah. And she eroded, you know, a whole bunch of where her slope was. So there's all yeah. these things to take into consideration. But um, but I'm with you on the um the safety thing as well. I was just having this conversation yeah. yesterday. You know, we try and control and keep our horses safe. And my yeah. friend, it was a freak accident that she had to put her horse down and. Mm. And I said, you know, you, you gave her the best life you could. I said, you know, there's a point where you just, because she's saying to her horse when she got here, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt yourself. I said, there's a point yeah. where you just have to let go and trust because, you know. You do, yeah. There's, there's I mean, what kind of life things. is it? Exactly. There's a thousand Absolutely. things that they could get hurt on. It's like having a child yeah. the first time they leave your company. It's like, oh, my God, there's a billion things in this world that could happen to them right now and you can drive yourself really yeah. crazy. 
you know, trying there's to something else I wanted to mention too about barns. Um, a lot of barns I've seen, particularly big show barns. Um, and I get it. They don't want to get the horses to get hurt, but they don't allow the horses to look out of the stalls. Um, their, their doors are completely closed. So they have bars in the front. So the horse literally only has that 10 by 10 area. And a lot of them don't even, they can't even see the horse next door to them. Um, wow. So I, yeah, I, I, I cannot recommend enough cutting a hole. Let, let them, let them look out into the hallway. One of the things that we've noticed with our horses is how interactive they are because they can look out into the hallway. There's so much going on in our barn and they're always looking out like, ah, what's going on if they're not out on the track and they're in the barn. Like some of our horses go out on the track at night together. There's a very solid herd that goes out at night. Um, so they come in in the morning and their heads are almost, they're out watching what's going on almost all day long. They just love the activity that's going on in the barn. And I think it really, it, um, it makes them more resilient to, to new sounds and strange things happening because they can see what's going on. Um, and I think that's what enrichment does too, is it gives them a lot of resiliency when novelty does come along. You know, if your horse is exposed to novel things all the time, when you're out on the trail and they see something novel, they're much less likely to spook or cause damage to you or to themselves if they're accustomed to having novelty in their lives, you know? Yeah. So. There's, there's just a, a massive list of positives for it, isn't there? There's absolutely no oh, drawback. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it takes time, but so does everything else, you know? And I think that's the, the biggest drawback is that you got, if you're going to do it, you need to be, you need to be on top of it and you need to plan it out. And you need to remember that it, it should be novel and don't let them get bored with things. You know, you've wasted your time otherwise. So, yeah, but it's and, wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and really, yeah, I like that planning it out and, and starting small as well so that you know that yes, you can consistently yes. keep it up if you try and do 10 things in a day and then you end up doing none yeah. because they're all too hard. So planning it out, don't, don't it achievable. Yes, make it achievable. Start small. Start with an ice block. Start with some fresh herbs. If you take the fresh herbs, you know, mix them up in the hay so it's not just sitting on top of the hay. So even something as simple as that, mixing it into the hay, that's enriching too because they can smell it, but it's not right there. So they mm -hmm. have to eat through their hay and go, oh, oh, what is this? Oh, well, that's nice. That's interesting. Or, oh, God, that's awful. Even that, if they, if they find something they think is disgusting, that's enriching as well because you have you have engaged their thinking, you've engaged their brain. Like, yeah. what is this? This is not usually in here. So, yeah, I love watching my horses small. go through that as well. I love watching them oh. put something in their mouth and look at me. I'm like, well, you put oh. it in there. I didn't do <laughs> what that. Did you just get? <laughs> that was you, because <laughs> they yeah. think everything's for them. They think every time I go anywhere, that everything yeah, I have so and buy and do everything is for them. So they just. <laughs> It's mine now. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we do the same thing and, and, you know, and try different vegetables, try different fruits and vegetables. Um, one caveat, stay away from cruciferous vegetables mm -hmm. like broccoli and cauliflower because it, it, it does cause a lot of gas. And, yeah. Yeah. So um, just um, gosh, what I can do is I can put on my website, I can put um, some resources for toxic foods and things you shouldn't feed your horses. Um, so they'll have access to it there. So it's just important to check those things out first. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any toxic herbs for horses? I don't think there are. I know vegetables, I but I've know. never seen a list of herbs. I've always seen lists of foods and things, but I haven't ever seen a list of foods. I don't, I don't, 
Right off the top of my head, I don't know. I've got a really good book called um, A Modern Horse Herbal. Um, I can check that out. I don't, I've never heard of any toxic herbs for horses. Um, mm, I do I've know there's some herbal really books as well, about. but I, I haven't yeah. ever read that any I've never are toxic. Seen yeah. All of, you know, what I do know is, is mostly the, the toxic trees and other types of plants. You know, of course, um, you know, red maple is extremely toxic. Um, and a few others, but most things are not toxic for them. There's something in the United States that's taking over now. It's called um, creeping indigo. Have you heard of that? No. You heard that? We've yeah, got enough of our the, own toxic plants over here. <laughs> we don't you, need another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm on a Facebook group that talks about um, creeping indigo and, and how, to, how to identify it. But plants are not toxic for horses. And that makes sense since they're grazers. You know, they've evolved to be around a lot of this stuff. Mm. Um, so... But yeah, now I'm going to have to look it up and do some research because I don't, I, you're right. I've never seen anything, a toxic herb mm, I'd, for horses. I'd, I'd <laughs> be amazed if there was. Amazed. I would be too. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Mary, thank you so much. You've given us so much to think about during this time of um, wonderful isolation. And um, I really wanted to get you on because I know that we can all now empathize so much more with our horses like I said I've got five beautiful acres here to romp around on and um, my son and I have been here for a couple of months now and now we're like at each other's throat a bit and I'm like yeah I get it I totally get it you know that horses they need it's about choice isn't it yeah we need that social interaction he needs somebody to play with now that's not me I need to you know (laughs) I need a different enriching experience that that I'm not the number one play thing for everyone in the house you know there's all (laughs) these things that are going on that 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 we get to do in our daily life when we have the space and time to get out and do them and now that I haven't had the choice to go out and do them it's like, oh, I, I'm getting it on a different level. I thought I got it before. I really did. Um, but this is the one, one thing that isolation's really giving me, given me is an, an actual experience yeah. of what it must be like. Even, like I said, yeah. even just because I've got a mother-daughter, horses, mm-hmm. um, even just that, it's like, the mother I'm like she must be driven crazy having to have a daughter with her all the time I mean she doesn't want to be separated but it's like she needs that different interaction she needs a break she needs a break so there's all of these things going through my mind now of how I can definitely enrich their lives so yeah and yeah yeah I'm so glad you had me on and 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 if I could say one last thing um Mm. you know I, I there really are no huge rules around enrichment like there are with training you know um the main rule obviously is safety if you're not sure about something look it up talk to your vet um i'll try to put some stuff on my website about what to stay away from um and then remember it's it's about your creativity you know that's you're only limited by your creativity um and again i mean i've seen some amazing things out there that i never would have thought of so just use your creativity, think about those five categories and see what you can come up with. I'd love to see some of that stuff. Love yeah, to see some of that. So would I. Please and the more post stuff them on our sites, the... on our Facebook oh, pages yeah. and things like yeah. that. Please, please dump them all on our social media so Absolutely. we can we can really see what's out there. Because if we start sharing this kind of thing, then we get more ideas. But it's really about putting yourself in your horse's shoes as well. That's what I've it been is. able to do. It is. And if you sit in that space, and because we've got the space and time now, a lot of us to really yeah. sit in, yeah. in, in what it is that they're doing and think, yeah. well, if this was me, what would I like? What would I, you know, and then try it. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Mary, and I'm going to um, get onto it. I'm going All to right, get onto great. it. And I'd love to see it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've got me going. So we will have the links to your website and social media in the show notes and, um, okay. and everyone can get in contact with you there. And like I said, drop into our social media pages and, um, and show us what it is that you're doing so we can share this and, and uh, I want to see what you do. Yeah, I would love to see it too. And here's something we can think about. I am trying to come up with a way to have a mobile horse herbal garden, oh, one that yeah. you can move around. That's my, that's my project that I want to work on. So if anybody has any great ideas, I'd love to hear them. That way you can move it from pasture to pasture or, you know, stall to stall, something safe and something mobile. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a gardener. Right. That's what I've been doing as well. My mind's yes. already kicking. How would I do that? How would I do that? Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, Mary, thank All you right. so much for coming on today. But also thank thanks you. for everything you do for the world of horses. This podcast is about thank making you. the world a better place for horses. And I really appreciate and the time and effort that you put into what you're doing. And thank you as well. You, you have done some amazing things. I've listened to your podcast and I'm just amazed with the people that you've interviewed and, and the time that you've put into this to do the same, to make the world a better place for horses. It's nice to have like minds out there. It sure is. It's great to build a community. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Until next time. Thank you. I'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you as a subscriber will have a say in. You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boosts the podcast up and basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world. You could also share this podcast with a friend, tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy. All the links you need can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.